All right, welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life using music to plot a map from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Uh, thanks for everyone who's gone back and listened to the old episodes, um, and welcome to anyone who may have just tuned in for the first time. Hope you stick around, check out the old episodes, um, plenty of cool stories and righteous jams. Uh, my name's Joel, I don't think I've said that yet. Uh, life update, quickly. Cody's nearly 11 months and running the house, running around the house like a mad boy possessed with um, teeth aplenty coming through and a bucket load of sleepless nights. So, yeah, that's where we're at now. Episode 10, Joey Kate needs no introduction, but I think I give him one in the episode anyhow, so that is what it is. Uh, follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, My Age Podcast, myagepodcast.com. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Not that I find out if anyone does like or subscribe. Thank you for the one reviewer out there um, on the face on the uh, iTunes podcast reviews section. Um, you know who you are, and I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, cool. Cheers. That's about it. Enjoy. Hey, hey. Hi, my name's Joey, and I'm a professional. <laughs> We're all professionals. Cool. Okay, so welcome to the My Age Podcast. Um, it's obviously Joel, and with me I've got, look, singer, songwriter, modern-day acoustic troubadour, if you will, <laughs> record owner slash operator, and, in my opinion, most importantly, father. Yeah. Joey K. That's Kay. a sweet thing to say. There you go. Hi. Well, I'm a new dad, so I... Um, I like I appreciate the responsibility. Oh, you are. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, my son's. Ten, thank you, my son's ten months that. old. So, um, wow. Joey and I are sitting outside the Cambridge Hotel in sunny Newcastle. We are. It's um, yeah, it's sunny. Definitely We're making sunny. this place our bitch. Yes, we are. This we, is our street. It's ours. You can all fuck off. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. No, really it's appreciate a pleasure, it. man. Um, Joey's out for me first on the Gimme Gimme's tour. I am. Which is fun. Yeah, yeah. super fun. Good. Nice and It's the holiday band. It's the holiday band, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not a... Uh, it's chasing the summer band. It's 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 barely challenging. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty much, uh, we don't rehearse. Good. We just kind of get it together during the first show. Yep. By the second show, pretty good. It's on track. Third show, easy. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and the fourth show, somebody goes to the hospital, and who knows what happens. And then, but we don't need to talk about that not, stuff. Not at all. That's all private stuff. Yeah, we'll keep we'll delete that part. Yeah, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Really easy. So, before we do this, we discussed um, that you don't do too many interviews. So again, I really appreciate it. Um, and we also discussed that you know anything that you've said in the last twenty something years can be found online. That's kind of it. Yeah. So so you know my questions are a bit left of center. See, I like that, though. Yeah, I try. I do interviews every once in a while now, but uh, I just, I don't, you know, I, every time you make a record or do a tour, somebody always wants you to do a bunch of interviews to promote things. Yeah. And you've answered every question that you could ever be answered. Yep. There's a certain amount of arrogance involved in just the idea of being interviewed. Yeah, okay. In a weird way. I, it's hard to explain, but... Um, so yeah, I, I, a couple of years ago, I just said I, I think I've done enough interviews. Yeah. 
I think I did about 5,000 of them. Should be good amount of information about my personal life out there by yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's all kind of boring to me, so I don't really see why. Yeah. But but your questions are cool because this is a this is a this is we got a different angle. Going I appreciate on here. it. That's what I do. This is going to be fun. I work with angles. Yeah. Um, I guess so. <clears throat> pardon me. The first the first thing that we talk about on the podcast is, you know, what your upbringing was, especially mm-hmm. around music. Um, yeah. You know, you were born in '66. I was. Yeah. So what? Like, were your parents heavily into music? Um, yeah, it was a very musical yeah. house. Okay. My sister was a piano player. My dad was a pianist and yep. uh, and and a singer. Um, my mom couldn't hold a tune, couldn't play an instrument, but loved loved singer songwriter music. Yep. You know, she listened to like a lot of you know Simon and Garfunkel and and uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, like rock music too, Beatles, yep. you know, Creedence, uh, and uh, there was a lot of Elton John going on in cool. our house, and Fantastic. so I had that in me from the very beginning yeah my dad listened to a lot of classical music and um and as i said he was he was a piano player my sister was such a good musician that when she was nine years old she was sort of drafted and she she had an audition and and got accepted to juilliard she would have been their their youngest ever but but we would have had to move to new york and my dad couldn't do it couldn't leave his job in california uh, my brother was a guitar player, a jazz guitar player, and he's most definitely the best musician in our family. Yeah. So, honestly, like, I... So where do you sit? Sorry to interrupt. Where do I'm you sit just there? above my mom. No, no, sorry. I got um, a little bit of tone. Uh, chronologically, sometimes as kids when go. When I'm lucky, I get the note. Yeah, that's and, true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can kind of play chords on the guitar. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit of drums, you yeah. know, started on drums. I'm, I'm number two uh, from the bottom. Okay. Yeah, so it was a good. It was a good thing. You're not. It's, it's just as long as you're not last. Yeah. People don't remember second last. Yeah, my mom. Yeah. I thank her for that all the time. Yeah. And are you, your brother and sister older, younger? They're older. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Sister's the oldest. Brother, yeah, middle. Yeah. So was there much music? Like you, there's music in the house. Um, were yeah. you? I guess were you like? Um, was were you attracted to anything particular when you were younger or? Yeah, I really, really liked the songs, you know, the okay. songwriters. I liked, I was all, I think from the very beginning, as long as I can remember, it was just about a melody for me. Yeah, you right. Know, which is probably why I ended up writing songs, you know. Yeah. I, I, I just really loved a good melody. I really liked sad songs, you know, from the very beginning, okay. even when I was a kid. Um, and if it wasn't that, I wanted to hear electric guitar really loud and yeah. guitar solos and um, this is, mind you, like before punk rock was coming really into the world. And, yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I was kind of a, uh, yeah, I was kind of wimpy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like John Denver. Like, we don't do John Denver and the Gimme Gimmies for, uh, I, I, there's a reason. Like, so you almost, don't do it? Uh, no, we do. Oh, yeah. Okay, we do yeah, do yeah. John Denver. So our first album was basically a playlist of my favorite songs. That's fantastic. You know, and then I, I thought this would be cool to do these punk rock. Yeah. And uh, yeah, some of the other guys liked the idea too. So. So it caught on. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I listened to a lot of uh, the music my mom listened to when I was a kid. Yeah. It's good stuff. And did you? I still like it. Did your dad ever take the classical thing anywhere? Like, was he? 
he traveled the world. He traveled at some point much, much later. Okay. He traveled as uh, an elderly gentleman in the 60s, I think. He traveled with a choir singing. Well. Um, he never, he performed a lot locally, you know, for uh, like in old folks' homes and things like that. Yep. When, and, and he really never, um, I, I guess he did some performing when I was a kid. He had like a bluegrass band or something. Yeah. Um, they played like honky-tonk piano or something. Yeah, I don't, you know, honestly, he didn't play piano on that. He played like this, this, this contraption. It was a, it was like, uh, it was a board uh, connected to a tub that was upside down with a rope on it, and it played a tone, like, you know, it was, it was like an upright bass. Yeah, and if you apply pressure. Yeah. Yeah, it changes the pitch. Yeah, and he played with these guys, and there was a guy, you know, scratching a. Oh, the little the board yeah like the, the great whatever the thing. fuck those are called yeah. <laughs> and i think there was a guy playing a jug i mean it was full blown That's i barely legitimate. remember that but i remember seeing him play with those guys that's fucking rad but musically like he would just play these really beautiful you know classical songs and yeah or, or he would play um you know kind of cheesy kind of uh uh that guy i don't know christmas type music on the piano you know yeah um he's pretty religious guy so yeah was was the family religious or it was we did we were until my dad left my dad left when i was about seven all right and he kind of left left you know so when he left uh religion left yeah which is lucky me yeah really yeah yeah but we went to church you know a lot we went to church of course every sunday when he was around yeah Okay. Yeah. So, what song, I guess, sums up your your parent or like your your pick of what your parents kind of were into? Oh, I mean, or, yeah. it's it's an impossible choice. It's absolutely. But and I, that's, I'll that's make a, it. It's a I'll fucking nightmare. Yeah. I'll make it. It, it. it. I don't know if. I think I have to go with Simon and Garfunkel. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. this record, "Bridge Over Troubled Water," yep. that my mom would listen to all the time, is still to this day one of my favorite records that's, of all time. Yeah. I just love that record, and the song "Bridge Over Troubled Water." Trouble okay. Water. I, 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 it's kind of a perfect song, I think. Yeah. It's really great. They were pretty. I wouldn't say ahead of their time, but they were pretty. Um, they were pretty fucking on it. Those two. Yeah. Like the harmonies were. They just, just tapped into amazing. something, didn't they? Yeah, and it was just like two guys. Yeah. You know? it was like most most of the time, when they played live. He, it would just be Paul Simon playing his guitar and singing the lead vocal and Art Garfunkel just doing harmonies. Yeah, just harmonies. And they just could make this massive sound. Yeah. And sometimes they would have some sort of orchestra with them. Yeah. But, uh, which is what they have on their records. Yep. Um, which are surprisingly bad sounding when you listen to them now, production-wise. I mean, okay. they're really low fidelity, yeah, yeah, those yeah, records. Very. But they just sound awesome. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I really... That album was, I think, one of the earliest memories of having kind of a favorite record. And there was another one, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Elton by Elton John. John. Yep. It's a double record, and I just loved every song on that. I think it's an interesting thing about music uh, and, and youth. Yeah. Whatever it is that your parents listen to, um, it just kind of gets in you. Yeah. And it becomes a, almost a part of your DNA, you know? Yeah, and, very and much so, so. It shapes you. Yep. And um you really can't escape it and i think like many other things when you become a teenager and you kind of rebel a little bit 
or rebel a lot, yeah. depending on who Dep- you are. The scale and, of things, yeah. You know, in my teen years, that was kind of, I mean, punk rock came like right on time. You know, yeah. it was the late '70s, early '80s, and uh, and I, you know, I was pissed off at my mom, and you know, didn't like rules, and yeah. started doing drugs and getting crazy, and uh, but all through that time, I think, you know, maybe a little bit, I was trying to deny kind of who I was as a yeah. as a person, you know how I love music and what I want to listen to yeah. and it that just comes back around oh, you know so. it's like what's the phrase you know like when you when you when you leave home and and it's like a full cycle you yeah have, you come back you'll eventually come back yeah. to it yeah I'm sure there's a better way of saying yeah. that much more poetic than someone that. will say it better than what we've ever <laughs> I said it. yeah yeah, yeah, I forgot. yeah.
That's a long song. Should have picked a shorter song. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, length of songs don't fuss me. The, one of the podcasts I did, the guy, uh, a guy did his first song was a Christmas carol, a Hawaiian Christmas carol by, fuck, I can't remember who it was, but it was so like, you know, length of songs don't fuss me. Genre don't fuss me at all either. Right. Cool. Okay. So I guess your your house is really musical as it stands. You know, there's a lot of music going on. So I guess you probably were clued into it straight away that music was more than just a a jingle yeah or like did what was there yeah. a de- defining moment where you kind of thought like music is more than just selling a car on tv or on radio or whatever or i don't know if there was for me i think oh. it, it was it, you know i was the youngest of three kids and there was so much music happening in the house as far as i can remember because it's so long ago it's hard to actually recall things specifically but uh, I just don't remember a time when I didn't love listening to music. Yeah. So I didn't have that kind of aha moment that yeah, some people enough. have. For some people, it's just a song. It's a specific song, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know that I have that. Yeah, that's why I couldn't answer the question definitively. You know? No, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. But I do remember the first time that uh, Rebellion, I think you, you're going to ask me yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Rebellion. Like, um... I remember the first song that made my mom mad. Good. I remember the first, it wasn't a song actually. Yeah. It was a black flag flyer. Okay. Yeah, right. And it was, you know, in her defense, it it was awful. The flyer. Yeah. (laughs) It was Raymond Pettibone who did all that early black flag art. Yeah, yep. And the flyer that, I had a whole bunch of punk flyers that I've been collecting. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't remember listening to, you know, lots and lots of punk rock at my house yep. when my mom was home. Okay. Like, she'd go to work, and I'd put on really loud music, you know? Yeah. But I don't ever remember being, like, one of those kids that was just, like, cranking Black Flag and fuck you, mom. Yeah, you know? yeah. I just wasn't like that. Um, but I did have this stack of flyers that I was collecting, and my mom found them in one of my dresser drawers, and there was this particular flyer. And it just changed everything. 
in regards to my relationship with her and what I was doing. And she kind of brought that into focus after that. Yeah. Because she found this flyer with a woman who had had her arms and legs chopped off and okay. it said something like, I can't even say it, it's so bad. It said something like, the bitch deserved it. Right. It was just... Heavy. I mean, some of those, you know, he, he, he the art he did for that band, he was definitely it, trying to piss people. Yeah, you it know, was controversial. It, it was phase, controversial, yeah. and that was the point. Yeah. You know, cops giving blowjobs. Yeah. You know, I don't think my mom would have minded that, but that, was, that just happened to be the flyer she saw first or something in my drawer yeah. in a stack of flyers. And I was young, you know, so I, 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 I knew that that was wrong, but I just thought it was funny because I was, yeah, like was fun, 14 yeah. years old or something. You, you know? didn't see the actual, was what an, was actually happening. I was an idiot. Yeah. I mean, it's a horrible thing. So my mom took all my flyers and burned them. Burned them? Yeah, she burned them. And uh, I was really upset. Yeah. Where were you getting these flyers from? Like, was it, were you going Shows, to the show? You man. were going to them? I was. I was going to shows or just, you know, if I couldn't go to the shows because I couldn't sneak out yeah. to go to them. Because I, what I would do is I, we lived in this tract home and I would, I, I lived at one end of the home and my parents, were, well, my dad's gone now. Now there's, yep. now there's a stepdad involved. Okay. And they're at the, all the way at the other end and I'm at the end where the, the garage is. So I could go right out my door, go right out the back door, go through the garage and go out the garage, like yep. the door into the front. And no and one go knows. go out the driveway, no one ever know. Yep. So I would wait till they went to sleep and say, I was going to sleep, you know, homework's done whatever and sneak out and then run like three blocks down the street and a friend of mine picked me up and we'd drive an hour and a half to LA and see yeah. a punk show fuck yeah. well, you live in Galita I was living in uh, a suburb of Santa Barbara called Montecito okay right which right. is like very like that's where Oprah Winfrey lives you know yeah right uh, it's it's there are houses there that are you know like yeah it, it was crazy we lived on kind of like a ranch thing yeah and my stepfather was a really successful attorney, uh, so he did. He had money, yeah. And that was like a new thing to us, because you know my family never had money, but my mom married into money, so okay. It's not a bad thing. I'm not a. I have no like reverse snobbery or anything like that. But that yeah, was, it was just I grew up and you know I was born in L.A. and I, I lived farther south and and when my mom met my my stepfather who's raised me, who's a great great yeah. guy. Uh, he lived in Santa Barbara and in this suburb with really, really wealthy, I mean, rich, rich people, you know? Yeah. So I moved into that from, you know, wearing a white t-shirt every day and not getting haircuts and eating peanut butter, you know? Like, yeah. And uh, that was a struggle for me because the kids were different. They were mean. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, I did not like it. I was really unhappy uh, and I missed my old friends. And after a while I found the right kids, you know? Yeah. I, I, I found you said to go digging for them. Yeah, I, have, I found the kids that were serving, you know, like the kids that, that their parents were like the gardeners. And, yeah, okay. you know, I found people I could identify with that were not rich brats. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and then punk came and kind of right on time there, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So is there, a, is there a black flag memory? Like, was there, like, have you got stories to share would be a better way to put it. Um of anything that kind of any defining moments of those shows like that you're like yeah this is me hook line and sinker it wasn't a, i mean I, 
it, it was kind of weird because there were so many bands in LA and yeah. Black Flag wasn't one of my favorites. Okay. People, most people from that you know era or that part of the world they're always going to say black flag but i feel like it's kind of an obvious answer it's, yeah i yeah. feel like also a lot of times people were a little too young or something and they discovered it later and you know black flag is black flag there it's an amazing band they, yep. like, you know and i love the first record jealous again i got it and um the earlier stuff that Keith sang on, yep. but it was Keith's other band, the Circle Jerks. Okay, that was my favorite of the like L.A. records. Like I liked the Circle Jerks group sex better than I did Revenge. Any of the Black Flag stuff. Black Flag. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty unusual, yeah. I think. And I also really like there was bands like Shattered Faith and and just there was a whole bunch of you know OC bands, Descendants. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. My first favorite punk record was Milo Goes to College. Okay, yeah, right. Because it's just, I, first time I heard Bikeage. Yeah. I heard that bass line. Yeah. You know, it's just, that was it. And the pop, you know, I, I like pop the music. Pop, so, yeah, the pop element of it. Yeah, so I, I liked it. I, I, I liked the Beach Boys when I was a little kid. I yeah. liked them. So, you know, Descendants just made sense. It was a me. perfect cult. It's just like yeah. a little more progressive and a, a little more intense. Yeah. But really great songs. And then Bad Religion made Suffer like years and years later, and then then that was the that was then, the, then the that benchmark. was the record. Yeah, then yeah, it was yeah. like okay, this is better than anything. Yeah, you know yeah. that's that's how life is, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Someone and then always at some steps point, it up. You stop. Well, at that's some point, no one steps it up anymore, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's when you go, oh, I'm getting old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how were you getting how were you getting music back then? Like, were your brothers and sisters ever into it? Well, my brother and sister didn't listen to punk at all. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they were just maybe a little too old, you know. I mean, I when people started listening to the punk rock uh, where I was from, I was 14 and then 15 yep. and 16. So, like, I'm going through puberty. Yep. All my friends are. So, fuck everyone. We're, you know, yeah. shaving our heads and dyeing our hair and mohawks and all that stuff. And it was such a minority and where I lived and it was perfect. But yeah. my brother was three years older than me. So he grew up on like, you know, 60s and 70s music. And I just, I just think that there's a real fine line and I just barely made the cut on yeah. that one because you had to understand or be young enough to not give a shit that people couldn't play their instruments. Yeah, you had to and, deal with that fact, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so like an older guy... It wasn't about guy, the virtuosity of it. Yeah, yeah. and my sister, she, I mean, she was into really wimpy stuff. Like, <laughs> it's too wimpy for me when yeah. I was a kid, you know what I mean? She liked all these bands like Poco and, you know, I don't know. I can't even remember Super Tramp and all the stuff that I just kind of thought was dumb. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Uh, but my brother was really into rock and roll. You know, he, he liked Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin okay. and Black Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, and, and then, rock, like, real rock and roll stuff, you know. Um, and he was a guitar player, as I said. So yep. I think when I started listening to punk, he would just go, this stuff's shit. Yeah. I mean, these people can't play their instruments. Why yeah. are you listening to this? Because, you know, I, I used to, my drummer, I mean, I became a drummer, my drummer. My brother, when I was nine years old, handed me a, basically you know figuratively like handed me a, a pair of drumsticks and said okay. i need a drummer wow okay that's how i started playing i started playing drums and my mom got me a drum set for like my 10th birthday and uh my first drum set was the original like an old 
an old, one of the, the drummer for the Beach Boys lives in the town I live. Yeah, yeah. And it was like in the paper, and then we went. It was just basically a really beautiful Ludwig set. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I got, I got, he sold it to us real cheap. I don't know, he liked me or like my mom or something. And, uh, and then I took it home and I, I tore like the laminate and stuff off of it and spray painted it black. Oh. I totally destroyed like a 1962, like pre-CBS or whatever, yeah. Ludwig drum kit. I just destroyed it. Just it's something that's bothered me my whole life. <laughs> Like, I almost just want to cry when I think yeah. about it. It's the worst fucking thing you If you, you get in do. the time machine, that would be the moment. Oh, just yeah. tell young just Joey, like, no, yeah. dude, stop. Yeah, it's, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, just think about this. Like, if you own that kit now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, so me, my brother and I, uh, he started playing jazz and jazz fusion, like jazz rock stuff. Yep. And so I, I was sort of thrown into going from just playing 4-4 four, four beats to having to kind of learn how to play jazz stuff. And syncopation. And, um, yeah. yeah, and listening to all. And so that actually helped a lot with where I ended up with music as well, because I still, my favorite drummers are always people with, you know, four drums and yeah, okay. the sort of, you know, uh, Bunny Carlos and uh, Glenn Burke and, you know, and the, you know, the predecessors, uh, uh, I can't think of anybody right now because I'm so tired. I still have jet lag. It's crazy. What I've never. This is the first time that I've come from Germany it's to a Australia. Hell of a flight. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I think years ago I just got so used to doing what I do that I just yeah. stopped getting jet lag. Yeah. Like Your body I, was I just, just like, this is what yeah, we do. I'm tired. I just go to bed. Whatever. I'll sleep right here on the ground. I don't yeah. care. Just take a five minute nap. All right, I'm good. Yeah, and back. this flight just destroyed me. Yeah. I still haven't quite arrived. But yeah, so um, I don't know why I was talking about that, but yeah, so uh, pretty cool when, story. when Punk came along, my brother was kind of like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. These guys aren't musicians. And I tried to get him to listen to, you know, Red Tape and Lucky, you know, on the first Circle Jerks record, but, you know, listen to these drums, listen to how fast he is, yeah. you know? And uh, yeah, he just, he wasn't, wasn't, he wasn't in. So I was alone in the family on that one. Yeah. That's okay, though. It's, you're supposed you're, to be. You're, yeah, that's, it's your prerogative. And it's part as, of it, right? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, as the youngest son. Yeah. It wouldn't be that punk if it wasn't just you and your like, couple of friends just going, this is our thing. This is ours. Especially the in a town like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I got beat up all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we all did. Uh, there were a lot of Mexican gangs in our school, and, and they, they were, you know, they... They didn't like us, and the, the jocks, you know, I mean, it's like a cliche, but they really were. They it's, were like, yeah, it's a cliche for a reason. They were the sports guys, you know, yeah. who would just slap me on the head in the hallway and other stuff. Yeah. So, okay, what's one song from se uh, Group Sex that you'd be like, be like, this is it? If you were going to hand a, you know, a 15 year old kid now who's going through. I was thinking more like uh, Wasted Youth, Ray okay. Reagan's In, yeah, yeah, the okay. first record. The song Fuck Authority. Okay. The original song called yeah. Fuck Authority. <laughs> yeah, not the Pennywise version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a different song, and it's cool, but yeah. uh, but there was a song called Fuck Authority on, on that record, and... Yep. Yeah, I mean... Let's go with that. It was pretty damn cool. Yeah, fuck it. You know?
so what year was that released? I think that was either I'll just check, 80. I'll just keep checking the battery by the way. I want to say 80 or 81. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And it's not like, it's not like radio was ever even, like they weren't offending anyone. Like anyone that was listening to it wasn't going to get offended by that, correct? I mean, I didn't live in L.A. at that point, so I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of like the Orange County bands and the L.A. proper bands. And yep. you could read books about all that stuff. That wasn't a thing in my world. I was living an hour and a half, two hours north of the, all of yeah. that, just kind of getting the records, you know? Yep. So we had our own version. Like, we liked all of it. Yeah. You know, a lot of my friends and I would listen to Iron Maiden. Okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we listened to punk, you know, and I liked Judas Priest, you know, and, and you can but then there was like Motorhead that was like right kind of in the middle. It was, it was a like, sweet spot. Yeah, they were like the punk metal band yeah. that like everybody could like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But some of us were like, I don't, I just didn't really care what people thought. I just liked music, yeah. you know. And obviously you can hear that in early, in early Lagwagon stuff. Yeah. That metal, and even in my opinion, a lot of the later Lagwagon sure. stuff. The last one's yeah. pretty damn metal. Yeah. I mean, well, I never really considered us to be a punk band. I, that was other people's doing, you know. I, yeah. I People label you and they say things, but they have to. They have to have a way to, in uh, to in writing, to, to describe something. And so yeah. they have to have labels, and I get it. But uh, if I dissect my songs, I think there's there's definitely like an ounce of punk, but there's a there's like a pound of metal and yeah. pop and, and stuff. Pop, and pop, yeah. You know. It's yeah, punk is one small ingredient. You just for write the a song and you write whatever comes out of you, and yeah. you know. And the guys in my band are all similar, you know. They're, yeah. they're you know, they're they're really good musicians. Those guys, and and uh, they'd be pretty bored if it was like three chord punk rock. Just, like that. that was yeah. never going to be a thing for that band. Yeah, that's just not what we do. And look where it's look where it's got you. Well, it's it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But the Ramones <laughs> did pretty well too. No, they you know? did. Yeah. That's, that is true. <laughs> and they're one of my all-time favorite yeah. bands. You know, so it's a funny thing. I mean, I think I there was one or two songs where I kind of tried. to... Hold like, that thought. Yeah. I'm just going to change batteries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think there were like a couple times where I tried to kind of ease a couple of those songs past my guys, you know? Yeah. Like, I just want this one to be really simple. There was just a song straight called... straight ahead. In particular, like, I remember a song called Bad Scene on um, that I wrote. Uh, it was on uh, Double Platinum. Double Platinum, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's just it's just really simple yeah. thing. Um, and nobody really liked it, but it made the record. I don't know why. Um, they all learn it, obviously, and then yeah, and we record recorded it. it yeah, but it's on, and it's on the record. There was another one. Uh, there was another one that was. Uh, uh, oh God, uh, a song called "Defeat You," that ended up being on a comp that I put out, I think, but uh, that was recorded with Haas. And, oh uh, yeah, okay. I think the guys really didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of like. I mean, you know, there was like those are like the closest thing to like, yeah, you know, but it just it, it, what I realized after a couple failed attempts of that kind of thing is that you kind of have to be the Ramones to play the Ramones. You know, you kind of have yeah. to like if you got guys that are kind of just getting a little too crazy with it, well, it just doesn't sound it, right. It doesn't. It sounds um, forced and 
it sounds like, yeah, like you can't overplay on that stuff or else it's become something else. All right, where are okay, we? Okay, so you're sneaking out of home. You're 15 or so. Yeah. Let's fast forward to the next the next bit where did you move when did you move out of home? Like were you at home for a while or Well, I ran away when I was 16. Okay. During that kind of phase and um uh I started doing drugs and doing a bunch of, you know, really bad things and I Yeah. And I was uh pretty confused and um and my stepfather who's a great guy um is he still around sorry oh yeah yeah, yeah cool. my parent they've been married for 40 years or something now but uh he he was uh you know he he was just done like because my sister was a nightmare before me she was yeah. Drugs and she had boyfriends that were in their thirties and they would beat okay. her and you know like one of them like attacked our house and like and uh, another I had to God that's a long story but yeah there was a lot of crazy sh like me and my sister were awful yeah and my brother my middle brother the middle brother T J he he was like the great kid he got great school grades yeah and, you know he was always pretty easy to deal with and. Uh, then my sister, my sister was just a nightmare, and and then I, I was only a, a kind of a bad kid for a while. But when I was 16, I I ran away because my stepdad had convinced my mom to send me to military school in Maine. Oh. Yeah, like yeah. a boarding military yeah. school. Like we're just gonna get this stuff beat out of him, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I ran away, and uh, I sold drugs. Yeah. To make a living. And I did that for a while. I lived in like a, a drug house. Were you local? Like, were you still Santa Barbara? -ish? I was in. I was a down, like, literally down the street. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like uh, maybe a, a kilometer away. Were they aware? No. Okay. Right. They couldn't find me, and I would just call home every once in a while. And this is landline days. Yeah. You know? Just check in. Untraceable. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I would call home, and say I'm fine. I would talk to my mom, and she'd say you gotta come home. And I was like, I'm not coming home until you guys pull the military thing off the table. I'm, yeah. I will never come home if that's... And, and, you know, looking back, it's kind of absurd because I could have... They could have just said, sure, and I would have come home and they could have just thrown me in a thing. Yeah, the military you know, but, yeah. the military bus is there ready to take you. Yeah, because we had a bass player in the very beginning of when I joined Lagwagon. We had a bass player who was... It's like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a bass player that was uh, really problematic, had a lot of troubles, and uh, was really messed up kid. And is this when you were called Lagway or Section? We eight? were called Section Eight. Yeah, yeah, okay. And uh, one day we were at rehearsal, and the doors just like burst open to the rehearsal studio, and three guys, three big guys, and all white, were like, "Come on, Brian, it's time to go, man." Oh, and fuck. His parents. Were, had these people come and just grab him and just took him and we were all freaking out like what'd you do like you know where would you know because we used to rehearse yeah at our drummer derek's house uh, in the backyard we built this shed yeah and uh, his dad ron and and uh, his mom can't remember her name his younger brother was our first bass player this kid brian yeah and brian was nuts you know he was always like running from the cops and cars and like putting them around telephone poles and you know just 
drunk and on drugs all the time. Acid. Sorry, this is Derek's brother. Derek's little brother. Yeah, okay. he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, we all used to eat a lot of acid back then. And yeah. All this crazy stuff. And, um, yeah, so they just one day just burst into our little rehearsal shed and just three big Jews and don't fight it. And we were all trying to, like, fight them, you know. But it was like, we're not going to, these guys are going to kill us. Yeah. And they took him, they just took him away. And he was just gone for, like, I don't remember how long, but it was a long time. Long enough that we had to get a new bass player. Enter, Did Derek know where, knew to, where he went? Enter, not Jesse, somebody else. Uh... Well, I think we found out. Yeah, you know, okay. we, we figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the parents were like, you know, yeah, he's not getting it together. I was just the kind of thing that I think people maybe, I don't know if people ever did that kind of thing in, in here, you know, but that was the thing some parents just had to do. Yeah. They like, just, this kid is just going to kill himself or kill someone got, else. This is their last option. So they, we got to send him away. Yeah. And my parents wanted to do that with me. But, you know, it's kind of bullshit because I wasn't really that bad of a kid. Yeah. I was just, you know, experimenting and being yeah. a teenager. And I don't know. They were really, really strict. Yeah. Uh, my best friend, who's still my best friend, and we're both 50 now. We've been best friends since we were like eight years old. Yep. That's um, awesome. Yeah. He says, if he were here, he would, he would add, Joey was on restriction his entire childhood life. Yeah, right. Grounded, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I was always, always just busted. One, one ground. I just to the never next. got off. It's, yeah. If I got off, then I would do something, and then they would just ground me yep. again. So I could never like do anything. That's yeah. why I had to sneak out and do all that stuff. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's such thing as too much discipline. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Gotta let you. Gotta let them learn the wrong things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so was this, I mean, you were listening to, punk was already a thing, but like you were listening to a lot of punk before, um, before Section 8, obviously. Yeah. But around that time, kind of, around the Section 8 days, what were you listening to? Like, what was happening? Well, I mean, this is like, okay, so then along comes things like thrash metal and speed okay. metal, yeah, and yeah. I really, really liked, you know, all the early stuff. I mean, I, I still love those records, you know, those first three Metallica records are yeah. awesome, and Slayer Records and um, so that had happened that kind of stuff had happened and that divided a lot of people you know there were like purists they were like yep. yeah that's that's bullshit and then like I said in my town there was a kind of weird punk scene like punks were more open minded a lot of the old punks I knew were like yeah Metallica those guys are cool Slayer yeah. they're cool like so I don't know it was a weird town that way and I think that's why we ended up sounding the way we sounded is that we listened to so many different kinds of you know intense music yeah uh and then we also everybody in my band loved frank zappa for some reason like we were really yeah, right. really yeah we were really into zappa so we we liked really crazy stuff too yeah you know, like yep, that's pretty weird, out there. wild stuff so i don't know i mean i always just wrote what i thought were pop songs that had a little bit of a metal edge and yeah somehow they just ended up sounding like they sounded and because everybody in the band does something to it you know yeah and we had Derek. Derek was a phenomenal drummer, and um, and I always kind of had that that thing in the back of my head, like suffer, you know, like yeah. I, I I we gotta be we gotta keep that a little bit of that. So that was in there all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rest of the guys obviously got the suffer. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know anyone 
when that record came out. That record came out before we were a band. I was in another band when that record came out. Yeah. And the other band I was in was way more of like a crossover band, like DRI kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Okay. And were I heard, you guitar or vocals? I or played drums? guitar and vocals. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Because we had a vocalist, but he was a dick, and we were in the studio, and he, 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 um, he was such an asshole. We're on the clock. We're all using the money we made from our yeah. shitty jobs. We're all poor, you know. And uh, he would show up with like two girls and no shirt on, and just be like hours late, drunk, when we're supposed to be doing vocals. And then finally one day we were all yelling at him, and he just goes, "I fucking quit." And then so the engineer, and this is actually how I started singing. Yeah. The engineer in the session, this guy, JR, he said, uh, you know, why don't you guys just do the vocals? I mean, we've already done all the tracks yeah, and everything. Yeah, it's all like, there. One of you guys can sing, yeah. we'll figure it out. So the drummer went out there first and tried to sing the song and he sounded awful. And then the bass player went out there and there was just three of us, right? Yep. Uh, besides the singer that left. And the bass player went out there and he was sort of, uh, he was kind of... Did you need to get that? Nah. Um, he was, uh, you know, he sounded like uh, like the singer of death or something. He was like, raw, raw, Yeah, raw. yeah. And it, it was cool. And our drummer loved it. Our drummer was like, that's it. Josh is the guy. And I was kind of like, yeah, but what about those melodies that I wrote, you know? Because... Yeah. They need to be there. They need to be there. Or yeah. else this is just that other stuff that is cool, but... I like songs too, you yeah. know? So then I went out there and I sounded like a really bad imitation of James Hatfield or something, you know? See, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was awful, <laughs> man. Like I have those demos and if I'm if I'm lucky, they'll never ever see the light, see the of, light day of day. Yeah, yeah. They're terribly embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's I played guitar and singing and I remember when I heard Suffer it was this like peace punk friend of mine. We we used to rehearse on this ranch. It's like kind of commune yeah and it, it, it was called reality control and it was like this they were all peace punks and they lived on a farm yeah and uh this is like you know the penny you know crass kind of version um and and south of our town and they for some reason they liked us okay like we were just these drunk drug doing like idiots yeah. like my first band my yeah, earlier yeah. band and for some reason, the reality control guys are like, they thought we were cool. And so they let us rehearse on their, at their farm or whatever. Yeah. And one day, this guy Shane, he gives me a cassette of Suffer and he goes, I think it was a cassette. And he says, I think you would really like this, man. Yeah, right, that was based, the introduction. Based on the songwriting yeah. that I was writing. He goes, I, th I think you're gonna like, and I go, oh, I know this band, they, how can the hell be any worse yeah, yeah. back to known and all that. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of over that now. I'm doing something new, you know. But they they really weren't that good of a band before Suffer. Yeah, that I was. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. It's like there's some cool songs, but they were one of those bands from LA that I was like, yeah, they're all right. Yeah, they were they're like, there. They, they yeah. were they were there. They were part of it, but I just didn't really love them. Yeah. And anyway, he goes, I don't really like this, but I think you would. And he gave it to me, and then I put it on in the practice space, and the other two guys in my band were way too metal for it. They were like, yeah. I don't know, and I was just sitting there going, jaw dropped, <laughs> like. Uh oh. Yeah. Okay. So, Creative differences. Yeah, like all those like harmonies and everything, and yeah. over and just, I just never heard anything like that.
was the second life-changing you know, yeah moment yeah moment you're talking about. yeah and then i and then and then i started to try to write stuff like that for that band and we used to play gigs with section eight they had this really terrible singer this guy and the guy stole my girlfriend well she fell out of love with me or never loved me and i, yeah. I was in love with her. that was my first big heartbreak yeah and she started sneaking around with him and i i was nuts i was following him and yeah. trying to figure it out and i was too young to know like Dude, she's just not into you. Just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just you know, it's, <laughs> this, this is not your train. Yeah. 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 She's a different platform, brother. Yeah. yeah. So I was roommates with a guitar player in Section 8, and um, I don't know, I'm just kind of going on and on here. No, but, no, I love it. But uh, but that, uh, that was it. Uh, he, uh, he did that, and then uh, the guitar player was one of my best friends at the time. Uh, was my roommate. We live in this tiny little room, two beds squished yep. in there. And one day he just goes, hey, man, because he saw how I'm crying all the time. Yeah, I'm yeah. so heartbroken. And he's like, he's like, he stole your girl. You stole his band. Join Fuck our yeah. band. Because they were like a crossover band, you know? Yep. But they were like into like more melodic stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and I really liked their band, but the singer couldn't sing. He just monotoned over their yeah, really yeah. cool guitar riffs. So that's Section 8. You know, I, I basically said, I'll do it. And then he called Derek and he said, he said Joey wants to join our band. And I, my band was falling apart anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I went into all that. But. That's It's fucking fantastic. Well, it's one of those things that, you know, hopefully in the last, well, I'm assuming in the last, because I know everything, like we can talk about, well, we could go into Lagwagon, but everything's been said before. Like yeah. with Lagwagon. And, and that's no disrespect to it. I'm sure I've told all these stories a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, we'll, let's talk about something different. Um, oh, that's all right. So <clears throat> I guess like, you know, so not, no, we're, not that we're going to gloss over that, but, you know, Lagwagon have done some amazing things over the last 20, 27 years. Yeah, um, well, 88 was oh, like 88, when I okay. joined Section 8. 89 is when we made our first demo. Yeah, okay. Actually, it was like, 
pretty much the beginning of 89 that I joined the band. Yeah, right. So 89 is more accurate. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's, I want to say it's 27 years now. Yeah, okay. Maybe 28. Yeah. Fuck. I know, it's crazy. It's insane. So, but I do have one question I wanted to ask about lag. Actually, two questions I want to ask that were lag wagon orientated, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I've just written them down. Were, God, were lag wagon so ever... Annoying. You're right? You cool? Can we pause for one sec? Yeah, yeah. Delete. <laughs> Everything's shutting down. Um, so did Lagwagon ever get approached by major labels like like Rancid did and like all and like all the other bands of the yeah, did? But only once okay. and it was just such a failure. It was so ridiculous. Um there was well twice. There was okay. twice. But I mean not really. Yeah, okay. I mean, there was this point where there was like this feeding frenzy and they were trying to get all those kinds of bands and all sorts of bands were just, they won't tell you this, but a lot of those bands that signed were actually trying to sign. To yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it looked like a feeding frenzy and it, I guess it was kind of because, yep. you know, Green Day happened, Offspring happened and then it was just this like, well, these are the bands that kids want to hear. Yeah. The honest truth is, I think that it didn't happen as much with us because we just weren't like those bands. We, yeah. we were way more metal and uh, we, we were, you know, we always had this umbrella called No Effects. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we were so associated with No Effects, be, even though like, you know, we're all, I'm older, you know, than Mike and, you know. Yeah, right, like, okay. But it was just that thing where like we were on Mike's label. Yeah. No Effects had done what they did kind of earlier than us, but the band that all of us were in called RKL is probably the reason that, you know, like there's, it's complicated yeah. stuff, but I didn't care because what was fortunate about that uh, for us is I bet no effects got approached, yeah. but their understudy didn't, which yeah. is what people probably considered us to be in many yeah. ways. Doesn't matter to me. Um, I wasn't, I had no interest in that because yeah. I'd already known all these dudes in different kinds of music that had signed to major labels and had these horror and stories. And got fucked, yeah. Yeah, and, and we just had this thing where it was like, we had one contract and then it was like, yeah, we don't need to have another one of those. We're yeah. buds, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we were in uh, on a label where all our best friends worked, you know, yeah. or at least mine. And, and you know, it was more like, hey, let's just keep doing this because it's fun and there, yeah. there was no politics there was no weird business anything our band ever wanted to do or anything there was never going to be anyone in the room or anyone ever that would go i don't know about that yeah okay or if they did if fat mike said something like i don't really like this song yeah we'd just be like all right we're still putting it on the record yeah or we'd go yeah maybe that song sucks and yeah. take it off but it was a friendly way of yeah. doing it and the stories that you heard about bands getting locked into the record deals and not able to make another record because the faction of people that worked at the label that no longer were there yeah, had moved on. and so they're calling their own label or their management is because now they got management yeah and because you got to have management because that's just how it works yeah. you know yeah. and they're calling going hey uh we have a three record deal like we've got a record in the bag here what and they're like oh yeah they don't work here anymore like yeah. literally that kind of stuff and they called it getting shelved yeah, okay. So various yeah. reasons they would just shelve these yep. bands. Sometimes bands that sold a lot of records and they were just like, yeah, we just don't, we don't know about that now. Yeah. Really crazy stuff. So I'd seen that for years and years and years and one of my really close friends was my roommate. We used to sit and write music on the couch at our house. I actually lived with him and his mom. 
And we just smoked cigarettes and drink Budweiser, some shitty beer or something. And he would write a song and go, this is called Unscrew. And I go, wow, that's a great song. This song's called Sleep. You know, yeah. and like, I, we just sit there and, you know, just throw, throw each other each songs other. and yeah. then and comment on them and help each other. And it was really cool because he wasn't from the same thing, but I got nice feedback because he's a great songwriter. Yeah. This guy, Tim. But uh, yeah, so his band, they, they yeah, I mean, the, that guy, Tim Collin, is a guy that I've talked about a lot in my life because in my opinion of all the like Toad the Wet Sprockets and Dishwallas and Ugly Kid Joes and yeah. all these big bands that came from our town, most of which are whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe not. But, uh, you know, then there's like RKO and Lagwagon and, you know, No Effects lived in Santa Barbara for a while. And, yep. you know, it, it's, it was a town that created a lot of really good music. I mean, yeah. a lot of, there was a, always a good scene of any kind there, which is odd. Yeah. But, um, but Tim Combs, like the guy, he was like the Kurt Cobain guy in our time. Like he was the guy that everybody thought, well, he's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy who's gonna break through. Yeah, he like looked like the singer of Silverchair and wrote songs like that as good as like you know he wrote these amazing songs and yeah. he was a great singer and he could play guitar like Ingvay Malmsteen if he yeah. wanted to, but he didn't. But he could. Yeah. You know, he was that guy. He was so he played piano. He could play anything, and he was just insane. He was so good. He wrote some of my favorite songs. Yeah. Um, but that thing with the major label ruined his career. Fuck. He never got over it, and it was so long that for them to get out of that deal and all these things, they had signed all these stupid things like they weren't allowed to make other music and stuff. Yeah, or join so other groups or whatever. Basically, yeah. all those guys in that band, um, yeah, they got kind of ruined by yeah. that. So I didn't want anything. To yeah, do that's. With that. yeah. So we only got approached for, uh, back to the question. So one time, Priority Records, um, we played the Roxy in L.A. and we were alerted by somebody that Priority was coming down, and this guy who yeah. had signed like Ice Cube or whatever, I don't know, was coming. He, he really digs our our band. He's coming. They went, and Priority was you know Ice Cube was on that label. There was like they were doing like kind of really raw stuff. Yeah. So we actually entertained it. We were like, oh, this could be cool. Yeah. Like we might go a little harder and go on on if we're gonna be on a big label, that's a cool label. That's they're, one to go they're putting with, out yeah. like dangerous hip hop and stuff. And uh, the guy came down, and I remember somebody pointing him out to me before we went on. I remember going on. I remember trying not to look at him because he was kind of, he looked like a real douchebag. <laughs> but it was also, I just didn't want it to have anything to do with what I was doing because yeah, I played the show. Yeah, you didn't want to influence it. But he, he was there for like half a song. And I saw him walk out. And I couldn't help but look at him as he was walking out yeah. thinking, well, that makes sense. You know, we're not for anybody. You yeah. know, like, you know that. You're like, well, this is not an accessible band. I've been right. listening to mainstream pop my whole life, never had any prejudices about it. My band is not a band that a major label should sign because they're not going to get a radio song out of us. Yeah. And they're going to, people are going to, you make a video, they're going to see me standing next to Chris Flippin and go, I don't think so. Yeah, no, we can't yeah. market that. <laughs> yeah. it's, we were an unmarketable, yeah. unaccessible band always. Yeah. And I knew that. And, and that wasn't the reason. I, I also just thought the whole thing was bullshit. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And the second time was much, much later, and I think it was like one of the Blink guys it was like uh, kind of 
working on doing like a subsidiary with A&M or whatever okay. label they're yeah, on yeah. and approached me and said, you know, Lagwagon would be a good fit. And, uh, and I kind of thought about it. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not even sure I even said anything to the band because within a few thoughts, yeah, I thought, nah. Not for us. Well, especially now. Like that was like so far down the road. Yeah. I mean, that's now Blank's a big band, you know, so you can imagine that time, that era, would, that would have been a disaster for us for sure. And, and also, like, by then, you know, you see what's happening with music and the internet and all that. Like, it's just no longer. It's changed it all. I'm really happy that we stayed on the same label our entire career. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. We got lucky. Yeah. yeah. We're the lucky ones. Yeah. So, not to wrap it up preemptively, but to, you know, to get onto the last quadrant yeah, sure. of the podcast. Yeah. Um, what, where are you now with music? Like, what do you, what do you listen to? Are you, like, are you going back to old stuff or? Is that a, uh, what do they call it? Kookaburra or? Uh, no, it's a, fuck. <laughs> no, it's, it's just like a magpie. It's a, probably a magpie. Oh, it's a magpie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like the way that bird sounded. Yeah. Sorry. That's a good. I'm easily distracted. That's, oh, it's so I haven't taken my Adderall today. You so. haven't? That's no, right. not yet. <laughs> it happens. Um, are you going back and listening to old stuff? Or are you like, is there new music out there that's kind of capturing your attention? Or a new style of music? Or not style per se, but a new like scene of bands that are kind of capturing your attention? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, you know, I, I listen to music differently than I used to. I used to be, when I was younger, of course, I was, it was a more romantic kind of, quest you know yeah and when you're a kid especially like you're always looking and listening to everything and you buy things uh i i kind of stopped doing that at some point in my life i do buy records don't get me wrong yeah it's just i don't have to search because i have so many friends and i travel all the time yep and people if it's not friends of mine that make new records that i listen to yeah it's people giving me records saying you should listen to this yeah I get given so much music. There's not enough time for me no. to listen to the music that I encounter yeah. in my life. So I do listen to music all the time. And I'll admit it's rare that something bites me. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while I hear something and I just think, wow, this is amazing. Okay. Um, you know, and there's a lot of examples. I mean, I, it's kind of like this stuff. This becomes one of those off the top of your head things. Like, yeah. That guy, Jason Isbell, you know, uh, who was in Drive-By Truckers. Oh, yeah, okay. I, yeah. Like, his solo stuff is really good. Uh, and I don't know if it's the newest record, because I think the new one's more of like a Nashville kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think it's the last one that I have that I, I've been listening to. I mean, the songs are great. Yeah. Great lyricist, great songwriter. He's amazing. Um, and then, you know... There's just, I mean, I'm, I produce a lot of records, so yeah. I end up spending a lot of time with those, and I fully immerse myself in those. And I'm producing those records because I love the songs. Is this more of the um, one-week one, stuff, or are yeah. you doing more outside so of that? that, that that's that been, like, a big part of my life the last few years. I mean, those become records that I listen to more than anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because obviously. Because I'm dealing with them. And we yeah, do constantly. A lot, it's only a week recording time well not always but yeah, sometimes yeah. we go well, just for we the have to cheat yeah, yeah but um but you know the idea was like to limit the recording time so there's a ton of pre-production so i'll be listening to songs by some of those guys for like two or three years before we do the record okay like yeah, demos yeah. and demos and demos yep. or like old songs they did with bands and stuff and yeah. trying to figure out the best possible 10 song record of their material yeah. in my opinion uh so there's a lot of that 
Um, but then, you know, a band that I know or like already will put out a record. The Neil Propagandi record is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really fucking good. I think, um, it's a, in my opinion, it's a, it's a grower. It's a creeper would be a better word. Sorry, a creeper. I felt like the first time I heard it, I felt like, uh, you know, supporting cast is untouchable. pretty untouchable. Yeah. I, I feel like that's probably going to go down as their best record. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked Fail States, uh, but I didn't love it. And I heard this new one, and I feel like it's pretty damn close to supporting the cast as far as, like, just the musicianship on it. Oh, I don't yeah. think they've done anything musicianship-wise as good as the new record. Yeah. There's stuff on that record that I don't understand. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm listening to it, and I'm, I'm finding myself trying to count and trying to figure out what, you know, time yeah, where signatures the, where the one and is. what they're doing and how how their ones are landing in, yeah. uh, in an eight beat bar, like they're landing on the one, on the two, you know, like yeah. just, <laughs> it's like the one is the two. And then, it, and just, and that's an ever changing thing with those guys. I honestly don't know how they do what they do. They, I think of all the bands from my world. And then for world, Chris Hanna to sing over it. Yeah. Like, fuck and me. Jordan is just like, I feel like Derek Plourd, had he lived, would have been as good as Jordy. Would have been yeah. one of those guys that we, he would have taken our band into a, a place that it was, you yeah. know, way more like this kind of thing, because he was a maniac. That guy yeah. was an incredible musician. So I feel like him and I would have evolved towards something had he never discovered all the things he did. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, they're, 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 of all the bands, I, that, that would be the band that I think is the most outstanding as far as musicianship and and evolution. Yeah, absolutely. They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's so odd because they never seem to take it seriously, like uh -huh. the whole thing until you listen to it and you go, "Oh no, you're serious. You're serious as a heart attack. You're as serious as a heart attack." Yeah, yeah. This like, is like the most serious you can be. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a little cynicism on the new record, which I really bit into. I like that a okay. lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know, like, song to a Twenty-year-old uh, anus, anus or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, that's, yeah. you know, and like there's some really, really good cynicism on it, which is kind of a nice, refreshing thing to hear from him. Yeah. Because I think, you know, while the things he writes about, he clearly is well steeped and, and well versed, and he, he, he's, I, whatever. They, those guys know what they're into. You know, yeah. the politics are real, and like you can see that. It's, yeah. They it's stand no by it. It's no joke. Yeah. And they live the way they. they I, I know all that's true. But I don't always want that all the time, you know? Yeah. I, music is a little bit of an escape for me. Escapism, yeah. But it's bitching to have it. But what I really like to hear was just a like the few songs on that record, There's, there might be an overall tone. I don't know it well enough, the record, but yeah. I heard lots of lyrics when I was listening to it where like he's a there's a little bit of that like, there's no hope. Yeah. Which I hadn't really heard before. Okay. I've heard a lot of like, everyone sucks and we're killing ourselves. Yeah. But there's a little bit of like good, it's, good luck with that yeah. kind of stuff. Which like I, we're past, we're past it which, now. Which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Because I believe that. Yeah. I believe that for a long time. Yeah. And it's getting easier and easier to stick to that belief system. You well, know? no one's, Sad it doesn't seem true. like anyone's trying to, well, you know, not anyone, but it doesn't seem like the general consensus say, is interested in steering the He says it on the record perfectly. There's this thing, it's like, the insurmountable machine, you know, yeah, the, the, the unbeatable machine. I mean, yeah. We can talk about it all day long. I mean, we can even form, we could, we could work, spend a lifetime banding together to make change and do all these things. And we should, 
because yep. there is some effect. But you know, you live enough, you live enough decades. You know, you yeah. start to just see people repeating the same mistakes, and no one remembers, and and no one learns and from you, it. You yeah. see, you start to understand your grandparents. <laughs> you start yeah. to go, oh yeah, now I now I know why my grandfather was pissed. Yeah, yeah. It's Look, annoying. It's annoying. Hey, thank you very much for this. No pleasure. This is fucking fantastic. Like better than I could have ever imagined. To oh. be. Well, yeah. I enjoyed it too, man. So, thank you Good very talk. much. Cool. All right. cracker i hope you enjoyed it again thank you anyone who's listening for the first time i uh, really appreciate it hope you do stick around hope you enjoyed the episode if i haven't said that already um go back and listen to the old ones because they're pretty rad um sorry as i record this cody's playing with my mouth yeah okay you're cool okay um there's next into this next next month's episode really looking forward to releasing it might even do it early we'll see how we go um i'm trying to obviously make these a bit more frequent or not obviously i'm trying to make these a bit more frequent than once a month but life doth get in the way and it takes a lot of effort as i say after each episode and after each episode i also like to thank nicole my lovely wife um she'll never hear this she never listens to it she doesn't like 
hearing people talking for long amounts of time. Um, she thinks it reminds her it reminds her of AM radio, which she hates, and I completely understand that. Although I love AM radio, um, so yeah, thank you to her for letting me take the time to do this, and thank you for listening again. Cool. Have a good one. Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it That's...